today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So therefore, when you believe in the name of Jesus, the Adolphos takes place, the reborn takes place. The rebirth, I should say, takes place so that you have Abba as your father. So yes, saying brother or sister is biblical because you have God as your father. The thought of someone you've never met before becoming a sibling is probably a strange concept. Whether we have a strong family background or not, we typically reserve calling someone a brother or sister for those of the same blood. However, in today's message, Pastor Eric teaches us about the family bond we have with believers in Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Eric in the book of John, chapter 7, for part one of his message, How Are You Living Life? If you have your Bibles, let's open them to John, chapter 7 this morning. John, chapter 7. In the past weeks, we've seen that Jesus has not physically done this, but he has drawn a line in the sand for those who follow him. He has proclaimed that he is the bread of life, that whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. He says to those who are following him, consume me, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, and you too will have everlasting life. A very hard, hard teaching that the Jews had a hard time understanding. But Jesus' heart was for the people to consume him, to have life. His heart was that they would not have death. That's very much his heart today, that he desires all to have life and not to have death. Because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Jesus' amazing ministry continues in John 7. It's amazing because Jesus is amazing. He's amazing. And so today, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10 of John 7, but we'll be looking at what, what it looks like to live life. And then there's many reasons to live life. There's a lot of things that we can do, that we do do, to consume our life. Something interesting, I thought, and this is from a long time ago. But, still interesting, out of our daily bread, there was a a little stat that was given, and this was back in 1992, but I thought it was interesting. You're like, 1992, that's like way, way, way long ago, but it was a long time ago. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I think if 1992, if you have a 1992 vehicle, you can have a copper classic plate. Anyways, side note. Anyways, it, it's, probably, it's probably changed a little bit, but check this out. For sleep, if, if you're looking at a typical lifespan of 70 years, you spend 23 years of it sleeping. Uh, working, a good percentage, right? If, if you live, you know, 70 years, it would be, you know, the 16 years, TV, 8 years, eating, 6 years, traveling, 6 years, leisure, 4 and a half years, illness, 4 years, Dressing two years, religion half a year, which would all that would equal up to 70 years. Interesting though, huh? 
just the, all the things that we do in a lifetime uh, that makes up a life. All these things that we put into living life. And so I titled the message this morning for John 7, verses 1 through 10, How Are You Living Life? How are you living it? You know, are you spending it watching TV, traveling, eating? I'm sure we're doing a little bit all, but how are you living your life? So, as we get into the word here, we will see that Jesus gives us the example how to live our life. So let's read in verses 1 through 4 this morning. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And we're going to stop right there in verse 4. Now I would say before we actually dive into it, this is probably one of the messages for, that has really changed my outlook towards life. Uh, it really has this past week as I was just reading this. Uh, again, my intent was to go through all chapter 7 today, but the Lord just stopped me at 10. Because I think it's necessary that we look on how we live life. And so here we see that Jesus walked in Galilee. Remember, he just spent time in Capernaum. He just crossed the Sea of Galilee into Capernaum. And he was doing uh, miracles. Uh, he was healing the multitude. And that's in Capernaum is where he gave his sermon about him being the bread of life. So now he is continuing to be in Galilee, the region of Galilee, which Capernaum was located in. He didn't want to go to Judea because the ruling authorities wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Because Jesus, ever since he healed that man on the Sabbath, the religious leaders of the day didn't appreciate him. They didn't approve of him. And they wanted to end his ministry. So those religious leaders, those ruling authorities would include the Pharisees, the chief priests, uh, which most of them were the Sadducees, and then the scribes. And then the time frame of this passage we see in verse 2. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. The Feast of Tabernacles is also known as the Feast of Booths. This feast was the third major feast that the Jews would celebrate. Uh, the first two would be uh, Passover and then Pentecost. Okay, And so this would be the third uh, feast that they would come together in Jerusalem to celebrate. Now during this feast, you guys, the Jews would build booths as a reminder of the fatherly care and protection of God while Israel traveled from Egypt to Canaan. Okay, uh, these booths were made in the image of the shelters uh, which they, their fathers had in the wilderness. Okay, and, and so they're, they're, they weren't a permanent dwelling. It was just for the week of the feast, and the feast would last seven days. But uh, these booths would remind the Jews of the freedom and the happiness they had. They were no longer under the bondage of the Egyptians. 
And so they would celebrate, they would recognize that freedom that they had, that God had given to them by celebrating this feast. Also, the Jews, you guys, would carry candlesticks and they would put them around the temple and light them to be a reminder of the pillar of fire, of how the pillar of fire guided the Israelites through the desert. Not only did that happen, but the priests, you guys, would carry water from the pool of Shilom and pour it out in golden vessels. Doing this would remind the people of God's faithfulness of giving them water. The provision from the rock. Pretty awesome, huh? What a wonderful time of just fellowship and praising God. Then we see Jesus' brothers come onto the scene. Now these guys, as I read this, in a sense, I believe they probably had a sarcastic tone. And I say that because we'll read in verse 5 here shortly, but I'll just point it out now. Uh, even his brothers did not believe in him. At this point, the, the brothers of Christ didn't believe in him. And so, in a sense, when they said, depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. Their heart was more kind of like a sarcastic, like, Jesus, go up to the feast. Make yourself known. You know you want to make yourself known. But was that truly God's heart? Was that truly the heart of Jesus? To make known, to be popular, to set himself, to be worshipped, not at this point. Because if it was, if you remember a few weeks ago, after he performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000, the multitude wanted to make him king. But Jesus departed and went up to the mountain to be alone. Interesting, huh? But before we go in more to that of showing himself, I thought it was interesting when it says his brothers in verse 3. Did Jesus really have brothers? Did Jesus really have siblings? And was this a, a, a literal thing? I believe so. But there is some doctrine out there that teaches, no, he did not have brothers. In fact, you guys, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that he, that he did not have brothers or sisters. They believe that Mary remained a virgin. The Roman Catholic teaches that Mary, mother, this is awesome that she did this, if she did this, she dedicated Mary just as Hannah dedicated Samuel unto the Lord. That's awesome. I believe dedicating our children back to the Lord as well. A great thing to do, to give back what God has given to us, to him. A great message, right? Because as Noah was saying, all things are given from God, even your children. Therefore, we should give them back unto the Lord. But then, the teaching then is that Mary then took on a vow, a vow of virginity, that she was going to stay a virgin. And the, the, the teaching then was that the Joseph, her husband, respected the vow that Mary had made. And so the church teaches, the brethren spoke about, are really not Christ's brothers, but they were his cousins or kids from Joseph from another woman. What does the Bible say? So does Jesus have brothers? What does, Je what does the Bible say? Matthew says this, Is this not the carpenter's son? 
Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, which is Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So the, the multitude were amongst his family. And so by reading this, we read, as we read in our text, I would say, yes, Jesus did have half-brothers and sisters. Why do I say half-brothers and sisters? Well, yes, because Mary was their mother, and Jesus' dad was God, God the Father. And the father of the siblings was Joseph, but they were all physically born from Mary. Now, oftentimes, you guys, we say brother and sister to each other, don't we? Yeah. And it's the Greek word here in our text, and all, th- all throughout the New Testament, the brother, what does that mean? And I'm not a Greek guy, you know, you guys know that. I'm not one to pull out the Greek words, but I thought this was interesting, okay? The Greek word is adelphos, and I practiced that many times this week. I know it sounds simple. I even broke it down. A-dos-dos-dos-fos, F-O-S. Adelphos. This literally means, and this, this therefore confirms to me that he has brothers and sisters. It literally means brethren, whether born of same parents or born of one parent. So, as brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we say that to one another? How can you say, hey, brother, not that you're a wrestler or anything like that, right? Because those wrestlers say that all the time, brother, right? But how can we say brother or sister? Why is that? Well, again, well, there's a lot of comments going on. (laughs) Again, you guys, it's the Adelphos. We have, as believers, those who profess Jesus, the same Father in heaven. Yes, we're all born of different families, right? But we have the same Abba, which means Daddy. And once you believe in Jesus, then you become a child of God. Check out what John 1.12 says. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So therefore, when you believe in the name of Jesus... The Adelphos takes place. The reborn takes place. The rebirth, I should say, takes place so that you have Abba as your father. So yes, saying brother or sister is biblical because you have God as your father. I thought that was awesome. Many times have I gone through and seen his brothers, right? And I just assumed that They were his physical brothers. But to do the study, to look deeper, yes, he had brothers. So, going on now, we see that Jesus' brothers told him to go into Judea. And again, I believe with a tone of sarcasm. Go to your disciples. Show your works off. Show yourself, Jesus. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to be known especially when you do these mighty things. Go, therefore, to the feast. Now, it's obvious, and I've got to say, it's got to probably been very difficult. I mean, how many of you have had siblings or have siblings? Imagine your sibling being Jesus. 
Uh, okay, of course he doesn't mess up. Mom's dad's favorite, right? Always serving. Man. <laughs> but obviously these guys didn't pay attention to his character. Because to think that Jesus was doing the works to glorify himself is ridiculous. He didn't. Because if you read in the Bible, and you read in the New Testament, you see the heart of Christ is to glorify his Father in heaven. And many times we see that, and he proclaims that. I mean, again, you know, feeding 5,000 people with just five barley loaves of bread and two small fish, somebody could pop their collar and say, oh yeah, baby, that was me. Right? Christ didn't do that. He did it to point to the provision of God that he would provide for these people. What a heart to, to just humble himself so much and not worry about his own glory, but he wanted to serve others so that they would glorify his Father. What a heart. If Jesus wanted to be a celebrity, I believe he had the opportunities to become a celebrity. But Jesus, again, was not performing the works for his glory, but for the glory of his Father. And I believe self-recognition is desired by all man. We all like to be recognized, right? We all like to have an attaboy. Hey, way to go, man. You did wonderful today. The job that you did in your work, it was amazing. Hey, check out. Hey, Joe, come over here. You know, look what, look what Eric did over here. It's amazing what he did. It's natural to feel good when you get recognized. And I'm not saying that it's bad to get recognized, okay? Especially when hard work is given, which is rare. <laughs> but it's the heart behind that self-recognition. And I believe in our Western culture, we've taken self-recognition to a whole different level. Whole different level. I mean, we have this thing called Facebook, right? And even in the bottom, you post something, right? And in the bottom of the corner of the screen is a little thumb like this, right? Well, a little bit bigger than mine, because my hands aren't that big, but... <laughs> little, there's a thumb, and it's a like. And could it be that we post things because we want people to notice what we're saying? To bring attention? Maybe. Not always. But what's the heart behind what you're doing. I mean, many, many times, and I'll, I'll say myself, okay, there's times where I, I'll use Facebook as an example, I'll post something on there, and then, guess what? 10 or 15 minutes later, I'm going to go back and see who liked it. Who likes this? Because I care. You know, one of the things that I struggle with is, you know, I want to be accepted by man. That's one of my own personal struggles. God is breaking me of that, I'll tell you. What a better position to put me in, right? To humble me. And I, I, think it's, I think it's quite amusing. And I've told my wife last night, you know, doing something, and I'm like, no one noticed that. And she goes, yeah, there's a reason why that is. Because God knows that you couldn't handle being recognized. I'm like, hmm. Granted, it was 11.30 at night, so maybe she was tired, you know, when she said that. But I believe there's truth in that. 
And, and so, even as ridiculous as it sounds, a person could have the wrong motives even in Facebook, posting something because they want to be recognized. Here are some other reasons why people would want to be recognized. Uh, maybe because they struggle with self-confidence. Maybe. You struggle with your, in your being, in your, in your character. You struggle with that. And you want people to notice you. Because, you know, if they notice you, then you might be doing all right. Maybe you want to win the approval of man. Maybe you want to get their approval. Hey, if, if they recognize me, then I'm doing a good job. And, you know, they're going to move me forward. And, you know, they're... they're you know, congratulations is, is what I long for, I seek, because I, I didn't get that growing up, or I didn't get that at my last job. Maybe you're doing things for the approval of man. Maybe you're looking to gain a relationship. Maybe you're, you're dressing a certain way to gain relationships, to gain friends, or even an intimate relationship. Whatever the heart may be, if it's selfish, it's not right. Because maybe you're looking for self-recognition to boost your own ego. I mean, to have the, hey, look at me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this to this person. And I'm going to say it to all the people around me so that they can see me. Because I'm the man. I'm the man. You know? Maybe you're looking for self-recognition to boost your ego. But ultimately, self-recognition with the focus of self, which is pride, is wrong. So, is it wrong again to be recognized? No, it's not. Some, you know, you can be grateful for the hard work, I mean, that you performed. And if somebody says, hey, great job, hey, thank you. You know, really thank you. But know in your heart that you did it for a different reason, not for yourself. The Pharisees, you guys, remember the religious leaders of the day? They liked self-recognition. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. He often referred to the Pharisees as hypocrites, right? These guys, I mean, these are not your just guys off the street. These are the, this is the church right here. And Jesus is saying, you know, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in church and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. Hey, Jesus also said this about the Pharisees in, in verse 5 of the same chapter. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they will have their reward. I mean, these guys were in their robes, and they knew the law, they knew the word of God. And they were in the church, boasting, proclaiming, wanting self-recognition. That's all the time we have for today on Grace to the Hearers. Thank you for joining us for our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of John. 
Pastor Eric Kluth will continue this series on the next edition of Grace to the Hearers. But right now, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message free of charge. Just send us an email at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Be sure to mention today's date. We'd also like to invite you to learn more about Grace to the Hearers by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com. You'll discover Pastor Eric's heart for this ministry and also find out about more places you can listen to sound, biblical teachings like this one. There are also resources available to enhance your own time studying the Word of God. That's all at gracetothehearers.com. Well, we are so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you. We hope that it's not your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible reminds us frequently of the importance of a church community, and we also encourage you to find a church family to support you in your walk with Jesus. If you happen to be in the Coolidge area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., and you'll find our location information and directions at our website, gracetothehearers.com. We do hope you've been blessed by Pastor Eric's message today from the book of John. Join us again as we continue to look deeper into the Word, right here on Grace to the Hearers.